You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Philly sports experience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the bandwagon. We have yet another eventful playoff-inspired week to cover today in regards to the Sixers, as well as some candidates for the Phillies' early MVP. So get comfortable and enjoy the ride. So guys, get a load of Odubel Herrera. He's batting 341, which is second in the NL this year, blasted five home runs, has 20 RBIs, scored 19 times, has a 938 OPS, 42 hits, And to top it all off, he's been on base for the last 36 games. Has he proven that he is actually a leader for all those haters that were out there saying that he can't do it? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, he's really proven himself this season. Uh, No one expected him to have this kind of season that he's having, batting 341, as you said. And, you know, I think he definitely has the leadership qualities he really has matured and uh, grown since ever since he actually got benched in the first uh, game in open on opening day. So I, I mean, I think he's definitely really, he's really proved himself, and we'll see uh, we'll see if he can keep this up. Well, it really goes all back to the opening day, I think, when he was benched on opening day. So <clears throat> ever since that ever since that day, I think he's taken taken things into his own hands, and he's just been focused. Like, there's a few. There's there has been a few like mishaps. Like he wasn't running. He didn't slide into second base. But I mean, some of the plays he's made out in center field, I think they made up for it. And and his play at the plate. So, I think, I think you got to take some of those, like whatever you call them, just not like hustling. intangibles. Yeah, yeah. you got I mean, you got to take that with a grain of salt because he's been he's been playing well. I think that the the most important thing here to think is when you think of Phillies that were going to be great this season, did his name even pop into your mind? Not at all. Nope. That's something that takes time. At this point, he's 26 years old. He's a veteran. He's bringing that leadership into the clubhouse. I think he might be a late bloomer. 25, 26 isn't too late. But when you see a successful rookie that's 22 doing the same things, that's what MLB teams are looking for. Just because he's a late bloomer doesn't mean that he cannot have an impact on the game. I think that this season has really proven that he is the leader of the Phillies right now. Um, a lot of the youngsters are struggling, and they see him being successful in the same position, the same role. Uh, it's going to take time for the rest of the team to come around, but I'm really glad to see that there are some bright lights at the end of the tunnel, per se. we got to think about this, too. I mean... If you think about it, all the so-called veterans on the Phillies are performing, and and like you said, all the, Carlos all, Santana, like oh, other than other than Santana, but you got guys like Hernandez, and even Hoskins is having a pretty decent year too, and and like and Nola too. I mean, he's I guess he's still considered a youngster, but at the top of the rotation, he's got to be that guy who's be the leader of the rotation. So, guys like at the top, guys who are called the leaders are performing, and then. The youngsters just have to follow. That's a good point. I do think that the bullpen has a couple solid veteran guys. Once Nietzsche gets back, there's going to be people to guide them. Um, another youngster that just came up, Dominguez, 
oh my Lanta. <laughs> 98 with a slider, what tipping 90. Uh, I'd be frightened at the plate if I were a hitter. He has closer written all over him, and no ill will towards Hector Neris, but if we can get a pitcher that can go in there confident every time that he's called in, that's much more efficient for winning. Um, now, going off of a doable success, if this keeps up and our veterans do continue to provide the presence that they need, will our NL East record improve? I uh, I think it will. I mean, it, it, like I said before, it all comes down to the young players because they're getting a lot of playing time and they just they have to play they have to play better. And even Santana, who is supposed to be a veteran, he's supposed to be one of the leaders. We brought him in for sixty million dollars. He's got to be that guy who's you know got, gathering all the youngsters and just be like telling them how it is. Let's go! Like let's do this. But he's struggling too, so it's tough for him to do that. He's got to be batting better than one. He's got to be batting better than one, like one seventy-seven or whatever it is. He's not batting above two hundred. Let's put yeah. it that way. He hasn't performed at all. Oh, what he, he had a good game last game. That's it. Every time he's up there, I'm waiting for a K. Like yeah, he'll get you a few homers here and there, but he just needs to get base on. He needs to get on base, base more. That's where we're paying sixty. Paying him sixty million dollars for to get on base and to hit home runs, and he's just not doing that right now. He didn't really have a great average in Cleveland either. He had a two thirty average, two thirty six last year, I think. That at least close to it. He did pop twenty three home runs, but we're looking for <laughs> we're looking for success. And the, well, Citizens Bank Park is a better. Like hitter's home hitter's, run. Hitter, ballpark, yeah, yep. it's a hitter's ballpark. So, I mean, you playing in Cleveland last year. That's not really that great of a hitter's ballpark compared to Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, they got the high wall. Right. So, I mean, I guess he did bat 230, what are you, like 239 or 236, whatever it was last year. So, I, I think he's going to improve, but I don't. we don't really know how much he's going to improve because last year is not a lot to go off because he batted 236, and now he's batting 170. About 171 or whatever it is. So, I guess it's not really what we expected, but, I mean, he's got to be better than this. Yeah. He 100% has to perform more. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the youngsters actually perform. It is early in the season. They're taking heat. Kingery's struggling. Reese Hoskins has finally started to turn it on a little bit more. Um, Crawford's on the DL. He wasn't performing beforehand. I really don't expect him to perform after. But it's all a waiting game. This season was an experiment. Looking to see if we can contend, if we can make something out of it. I don't think it's time yet. I don't think we're going to be below 500, but I don't think it's time to contend yet. Well, I think it's good too for the for the young players. We keep going back to the young players, but it really it really rides all on them, pretty much. I mean, I think it's good for them just to get a full year under their belt and see how the MLB works and all that kind of stuff. Because last year, Alfaro, guys like Alfaro and Crawford, only played for about a month, mm-hmm. so they didn't really get the feel of you know a full MLB season. So this year is kind of a transition period for them from minors into the majors in a in like a full year. So, yeah, sure, they're going to be struggling, but I think a full year is good for them. It's tough, though, because Crawford's on the DL, but I, hopefully he'll be back soon. But it's good for Alfaro. It's good for Kingery, who got that, you know, crazy deal. And But anyway, it's yeah, 
it's good. It's good for them to get a full year under their belts and just see how the MLB works, pretty much. Yeah, that was a good Phillies talk. I, I think that we covered all that we can on them so far. Uh, I do think that o- between Odubel Herrera and Cesar Hernandez, we didn't mention him. He's having a really good year himself, hitting in a leadoff hole. I mean, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of promise. A lot of people talk about Cesar as trade bait, possibly. But let's look at what we have now and how we can succeed with that. Um, and from that point, I'd like to move on to the Sixers. Um, get a load of TJ McConnell. This dude is the energizer bunny. He comes out there beating that drum. He kept Terry Rozier to 11 points, two assists. Guess what his shooting was? Four for 11. TJ McConnell. Usually it's the all-star that comes off and comes up back off the bench and stops the all-star. No, TJ McConnell is a workhorse. It's a great move by Brett Brown, bringing him in, starting him, playing him all those minutes because he just really got that team energized. It looked like everybody on when he was on the floor, it just looked like they were all just ready to go. He's he's the guy that is an energizer bunny. You know, he he doesn't. He doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. He plays hard defense. He gets on the floor for loose balls. That's what you need. That's what the Sixers need in this series. Yeah, I mean, he's a scrappy player. I mean, he's not the tallest guy. He's not the strongest guy, but he gives you 100% every single time he's on the floor. And when he's at, when he's out there, the whole team just like feels that energy, and they just ride it with him. And he, he gives you everything. I mean, he gives you, for how small he is, he gives you rebounds. He gives you assists. He's just... And he's phys- he's a physical defender, and he's just a physical player. And that's yeah, that's definitely one hundred percent what we needed in this series. Now, the last game he scored nineteen points, career high, obviously in the playoffs. Do you think that that was a fluke, or do you think that that's just TJ McConnell going out there and being TJ McConnell? That's one hundred percent. That's TJ being TJ. He he his mindset is all right. Brett Brown is calling on me to be to be a huge factor in this series. I mean, we we have to win four straight games for us to win the series. That that's what he's thinking. So he's just got to go, go, go out there and give his all, like every every second on the floor. The best thing about TJ is too, he when he he wasn't getting a lot of playing time towards the end of the season. You know, get they're trying to implement Fultz into the lineup, but he, McConnell was just like, look, whenever my name is called, I'm going to be ready to go, and that's exactly what he did last night. It was in, it was incredible to watch, and he really got under Terry Rozier's skin. Because he almost, he almost punched. He looked like he punched him. He looked like he tried to, but he was yeah. too short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he really just gave the energy the Sixers needed. It's a long shot, but it's not It's not impossible. Dude, it hasn't it's been not done. Possible. It's in, it hasn't dude, been done. Dude, stop. <laughs> stop. Right, as much right, as right, I'm a – no, I'll, don't say all right. I am a Sixers fan just like you. We're getting dominated this series. Don't get me wrong, I'd like to see them go seven, just to make it entertaining. And if they win, so be it, I'm wrong. But at the same time, are you going to sit here and say, wow, the Sixers really have a shot in Boston, the hardest place to play in the United States of America? It's not, I just, I said it's not impossible. Oh, come on, they really, listen, they really expose the Celtics down low. And if they can continue And Al Horford exposes us every game. But, any, but... 
if the Sixers can do that, continue to do that on offense, and they they got Brown, Tatum, uh, who else? They got Brown, Tatum, all of them in foul trouble. They just need to start being. They, they need well. They they, they need yesterday. to be more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they did last night, and they won. So it's they they continue to not chuck up threes in the beginning of the shot clock. They like they've been doing. Then I like I said, it's not impossible. It is an impossible. Just that's all I'm saying. There I guess, has that, I guess never, never been a team down 0 and 3 that has come back and won. Uh, why not? Right? Why not? That's what Brett Brown said. Hey, if you're right, you're right, but I think you're so wrong. I mean, he's got a good point, man. They have to go, if they want to win, they have to go to Boston two more times and win in, in TD Garden. Like, it's not like I'm not going to be rooting for them either. Yeah. But, like, let's be realistic here. Like, I guess I, I'm the only one in this room that has a scope of reality. But, yeah. The Celtics play even better with their home crowd. When you're watching the game on TV and you listen to that Celtics crowd cheer, they don't shut up the entire game. Well, plus two, they're playing the Sixers. They're playing Philadelphia. And they had a lot to cheer about in those two games. The Sixers need to shut them up. The Sixers need to not blow 22-point leads. Well, they've been doing that all year, but still. That's very true. Yeah, that, that's the key to success. Let's get a 22-point lead and keep it. That's how we're going to get this back to Philadelphia. It's a curve, man. That's what they they got to they gotta learn how to not give up those leads. Yeah, they're, really. <laughs> they're young. They're inexperienced. They, they, they make some... Like really bad, bad mistakes, <laughs> bad turnovers. There are some awful turnovers, and the turnovers were on that, full display in Game Three. That's yeah. where they lost that's in Game Three. Us. That's why they lost. We got bailed out by they got bailed out by Bellinelli to send it in overtime, and then they turned the ball over in another key situation twice, twice with under ten seconds on the clock. They turned the ball over twice. But as I was saying. It's not impossible, I believe. <laughs> All I right. I believe. You believe what? In the Sixers. And I, I trust the process, but that doesn't mean that the process is complete. I'm pretty sure we still have a Lakers pick and a Nets pick, do we not? And a lot of money, a lot of uh, cap space. A lot of cap space. Once that cap space is sent and once those picks come to fruition, that's when the process will be complete, and that's when the Sixers will be a dominant force for the next decade to 15 years. Not that they're not already. They're already one of the top contenders in the East. Well, the way Celtics ahead are going to be right there with them yeah, in the and future. you got to think, they're not playing with Kyrie. And they're not Hayward. playing with Hayward. Yep. It's gonna be they scary, are going dude. to the be Sixers, frightening. We need Sixers a their, huge yeah. signing. Yeah, the Sixers have their work cut out for them with the Celtics because... They're built. They're probably even built better for the future than the Sixers. Really, <clears throat> the Fultz deal really kind of. The Fultz deal is not looking great right now. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, if if I can say, I have been one of the top proponents for, may or may not have been arguing he's possibly a bust. He he's not playing in the Only playoffs. Only nineteen years old. Only nineteen years old. A number one overall draft pick. A number one overall draft pick should be performing. And, you know, the thing is, too, I don't, I don't think he was injured the whole year. There might have been a shoulder issue early in the summer league, but someone messed with his shot. That's the issue. 
that's what's that's what needs to be fixed and that's not something that can be fixed overnight that's a mechanical issue that takes repetition over and over and over again shooting thousands of balls like every two days well that's why he's not getting playing time right now he, it's going to take it's going to take a full off season for for that to even change really and next year is definitely the year for faults he just needs an off season I think next year, we've said it before, we'll say it again, is the year to grade him off of. It's the Lithmus te- yes. test. Yes. So, taking that all into account, what are your predictions for Game 5 for Chips' choices? I, I mean, listen, guys, this is going to be this is gonna be a really tough game. I really, I, I really don't know which way I'm going to go. If the Sixers can play the way they did in game, what was it, game four? And if TJ plays the way he does, he did, then they can win. But I I don't know. So uh, let's put it this way. If the Sixers are up by what score at half do they win? And what score are they down by do they lose? Uh, If they're up by... (laughs) If they're up by 20, then they win at half. But I don't see that happening. But they've already given up a 20-point lead. Right. They've given up multiple 20-plus-point leads Yeah, yeah. in the past. That's, yeah. So no lead is safe with the Sixers. Wasn't it a 40-point lead to the Cavs in the regular season? 30, it was like 35. It was, yeah, it was like, I think it was almost 40, actually. <laughs> and they almost blew it. They, the Cavs were like inches away from tying the game yeah. and sending an overtime. Yeah, LeBron missed one free throw, and that's what cost them. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. I'm probably just venting a little bit, but I'm a little disappointed with the series. I knew, like, everyone I, is, though. I don't think this year was going to be a title run. Don't get me wrong, but I wanted to see them at least put up a fight if they were going to lose, not go down 3 nothing. Well, everyone thought they were going to lose in the, in the conference finals to the Cavs, so. LeBron not- is turning it up, so I was kind of scared. Yeah. <laughs> not going to lie. I mean, yeah, we're not going to beat the Cavs in the in the conference finals. We that's that's a that's a given. You mean we're not going to beat LeBron? Yeah, basically, basically yeah. LeBron. We're not going to beat LeBron yep. in the conference finals. For him to go to what is it like his tenth straight NBA finals or whatever it is, or ninth or tenth or whatever? Nine, yeah, something like that. So we just didn't expect it to, to be happen, so early to happen. Yeah, to early and to happen in this this fashion. The Sixers' youth really showed in this series, though, and that's why they're down three one right now. But I think if they can if they can win this game tomorrow, it's tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. They can definitely force at least a game seven. Come back home, get another win in game six, at least force the game seven. I'm not saying they're gonna win game seven in Boston. That's it would be, be entertaining. Tough. It's gonna be entertaining. And they make it a series. Right. They'd make Boston actually have to go out there and fight to win. Right. That's what they need to do. We've seen in Game 2 and 3 that they could have won those games. I think it was the youth displaying. They made rookie mistakes. Ben Simmons throwing it out to Joel Embiid's outside hand on that inbound play last game. These are things rebound and then not pulling it out. Chucking it out with no shot clock. That blew the game. These are all things that the Sixers have to work on in the future. Uh, I was listening to the TNT guys. Um, They were talking about the Sixers losing this series – would be the best thing to ever happen to them. The reason being, when you lose a series in that fashion, 
you go out the next summer and you're not partying, you're not going out to clubs, you're in the gym working harder and improving your game. And I think as a youngster with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, that's what they need. They want that passion to go out there and succeed, and they're going to work harder and harder each and every single day to make it happen. Well, they're going to look back at the series and they're going to look at their mistakes. And you're right because they're going to go, they're going to go out the summer and they're going to they're going to fix on those mistakes. They're going to look at the turnovers. They're going to look at the bad passes. They're going to look at the uh, just the, the mental mistakes, and they're going to work on that, like especially during the summer. So that's good for a young team, like you said. And yeah, they're right. I mean, they just got to work on mental mistakes. Now, I think that it's not just the players that have to work on their mistakes. I think Brett Brown has some things to work on. Like, I'm not going to call for his firing because that would be stupid. Uh, but I do think that he can use his bench players more. Every bench player has a role. Anderson should be out there more, in my opinion. Maybe not everyone's, but he's proven himself that he can go out there and succeed against the Heat especially. So those are things that we all have to take into account. We have to make changes. The Celtics make changes there. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, yeah, Anderson Anderson is really almost the same as McConnell. He gives you that energy. He gives you that defensive presence. He gives you, like, tough rebounds. So, yeah, a guy like that definitely deserves minutes. And, yeah, I think I think Brett Brown just needs to learn to just take into account, every, like, all the players he has at his disposal – and just whenever they need a, something mm-hmm. like that, he goes to the guy who has that, if you know what I mean. I think Brett Brown doesn't really have a good idea on situations and who, what players should be in at that, at that uh, certain time. Justin Anderson, like you said, definitely a great guy to come in to bring some energy, hit some threes for us. Maybe not the Energizer Bunny, but definitely no, not like just not, good, not to the extent just of a good T.J. McConnell. Yeah, he did a good job with that with McConnell starting him and playing him minutes and giving him the drive to you know really take over that game and possibly this series. But just the situations and what needs to be needs to be done in those certain situations, Brett Brown needs to definitely work out. Like like the Joel Embiid inbounds play at the end of the game in overtime. You don't really... You don't throw it to the outside hand. Though that, and I just don't believe Embiid maybe should have come up more for the ball if they wanted to get J.J. Redick a shot or Bellinelli a shot. Embiid should have come towards the ball more. I mean, I guess that's more on Embiid than Brett Brown, but he probably should have told Joel to come up to the ball and grab it so he so it's not turnover and a yep. calls he wanted that and then he can get JJ Redick or Bellinelli a, a good look at the basket to maybe possibly win the game. What this is is Brett Brown's immaturity of having a successful team. He's not used to having a winning team and it's going to take him time to adjust. Another thing is Brad Stevens is just straight up out coaching him. Oh uh, yeah. 100%. He is a menace. 100%. I look into his cold eyes and I don't even see a soul he's just out there to kill do you see he uh when uh Horford or whatever had that game-winning shot he Brad Stevens had no reaction I mean he was just he was just like standing there with his arms crossed and he's just like yeah all right we won good good game like come on now (laughs) but a great example of Stevens out coaching Brett Brown was him 
uh, getting him beat out of the lane on that last play. Getting him out of the lane. Getting out of the lane and Covington. having Covington guard yeah. Al Horford. Al yep. Horford got an easy two. He ran that play at Butler. Yeah, that was that was just a great, just great design play. And that was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's definitely getting out coached. It's like you said earlier, this is new to him. He, he's just like the players involved. He's a new coach, and he's just got to learn situations like this, especially in the playoffs. And now he's he's getting everything under his belt, just like the players. He's tasted success of a series. He's going to taste the loss of a series. These are learning experiences for him. He's going to be a great coach. He's going to be in contention for Coach of the Year every year that he has Embiid, Simmons, and the youngsters. Hopefully the new guys are good. I hope that Lakers pick falls. Mikhail. But <laughs> it's, it's a great time to be a Sixers fan, even though it's, no, it's in one of the darker times now. We have seen our team grow, develop, and become a three-seed. Beginning of the year, everyone expected them to maybe make the playoffs. This is what a great team does. They're up and on the rise. This is just the beginning for the Sixers. All they need to do is make the necessary adjustments, and hopefully they can win titles for at least three or four years. But we'll see. I mean, some of the Sixers players have been making some um, poor moves, and one of our companions here, he's angry. He's upset. He's red in the face. He's butthurt. What you got for us, buddy? All right, everyone. Well, this week I am definitely butthurt about the Robert Covington signing. Now, I know I'm like, what, four months too late on this, but ever since his performance so far in this series, it's been absolutely pitiful. So let me just go back to when he was actually killing it before the contract. He had six 20-plus point games in, what, 10 games? 13 games. All right. I stand corrected. Thank you, Chips, for that. You're welcome. (laughs) Then he signs the four-year, $62 million contract, and he's just been absolutely bunned since. Only four 20-point-plus games since then, and in this series against the Celtics, he has been Absolutely atrocious, okay? 0 for 6 in Game 1. Game 2, he actually had a good game, surprising. 22 points, 8 of 15 from the field. But then he goes back to being Robert Covington again. Not playing great defense, letting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown drive by him on any, getting anything they want at the basket. He also goes 0 for 8. In Game 3. Game 3 was atrocious. You're right. They needed his points in that game, I believe. And Game 4, only 3 points. 1 for 7 from the field. I'm just... I gotta ask you guys. Is it... he Was he worth the money? Was he worth signing him to a $62 million contract for years? When well, the Sixers <sighs> might go out and get another... A, a better Robert Covington. They can get an even better talent. Robert Covington is a seven or eight man. We got. He's he, not a starter. He Absolutely got, not. You got to think about this. At the time when he was signed, he was killing he it. He was killing it. So, and he was going to be. What was he going to be? He was going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So, Sixers are like, he's killing it. Let's give him the deal. 
So that's that was their mindset. It's just unfortunate. It happens with a lot of players now. As soon as they get the money, it it has always happened with a bunch of players. It has. It is always unless your name is like LeBron James, yeah, (laughs) Kevin (laughs) Durant or something or Stephen Curry. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but at the time, he was killing it. He had, like you said, he had six, he had six twenty-plus point games in in a thirteen-game span. That that doesn't happen for Robert Cullen. He's playing great defense. He has. The most def- he probably has the most deflections. I think it was. He does. Yeah, the Sixers Sixers mentality is all right. This they guy, have the money. This guy, yeah, we have the money. This guy is starting to come into his own. Why not give him the money? Let him stay here for the long haul. That that was their mindset. I think that the signing at the time was the right move because, as Chip said, he was killing it. I, I think he had opposite of what you said. He had six twenty plus point games in the first 20 games. So at the time, it looked like he was actually developing as not only a defensive player, but an offensive role player at the top of the key. That's what the Sixers needed. They needed a perimeter shooter. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. He's <laughs> Hopefully he can prove me wrong next year and the in this contract. Hopefully he can you know, make, make Maybe some... he can grow, develop. Yeah, I mean, he's 26. I mean, he Actually, came from, 27 He now. came from the D-League. He was an undrafted guy. Yeah. I mean, it's... I know what you're saying. It made sense for the Sixers. They had the money and all. But I think they should have waited. He could have had a great... I think he could have had a great year this year. And then the Sixers could have been like, okay, in the offseason, okay, we can give you that contract. Well, if you think about this, he, he probably would have he probably would have gotten more if he if he didn't get signed. If you think about it, because he's going into free agency and he has the option now of signing wherever he wants, so he probably, if he didn't get signed, he probably would have gotten more. Would it would it matter though to the Sixers, even though they're going to be getting a better Robert Covington? A player is going to play better on a contract year because they have something to work for, and if he was able to play consistently great all year long, that would have improved his gameplay next year. So. That is where I think one of the Sixers' errors were. Yes, absolutely. I believe that, too. They should have waited. They definitely should have waited another year. Or, um, Mid-season sorry, signings season. aren't a thing. It just, yeah. And then, as, as, I was, as I was saying, only four 20-plus point games really underperformed. And I just don't, I don't believe he deserves the contract at all. I was never a big Robert Covington fan to begin with. So, that's just... Well, if he if he did play the way he did for those first thirteen games, whatever it was, would you guys be comfortable of giving him more money than what he got in free agency? Either way, he wouldn't have been a hundred million dollar guy. I don't think the Sixers would need him anymore after the season anyway, since they're gonna since they're gonna be signing a free agent. Hopefully, hopefully they sign. For, sorry, not going going to be signing. Hopefully they sign a free agent that well, it's gonna it's gonna be more money for for him, but he's a better quality player than him. So I don't think it would have mattered. Get what you can get out of Robert Covington for the season, let him sign somewhere else on big money, and then wash out, and then you can you can sign someone else. I don't think it really – yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's about it. The, the thing that Sixers fans are expecting is that the Sixers will go after either Paul George or LeBron James and hopefully acquire one of those two. I think Paul George would fit in much better, would cost less, and wouldn't be such a ball-dominant player. Would I say no to LeBron James, however? No, because he's the GOAT. 
Pump the brakes. I know. I, I think it's Jordan. Deba- but, okay. <laughs> Debatable. I like to start controversy. We're you know, beating on a dead horse here. Oh, <laughs> uh, but the Sixers still have plenty of time. We don't have to go crazy in the free agent market because those draft picks are going to convey into great players. And so long as we play our cards right and don't have every single one of them sit out their first season due to some sort of made-up injury, we'll be okay. Either way you slice it, as long as we don't trade for Kawhi Leonard, I'm going to be happy. If we trade for Kawhi Leonard, that would be the biggest mistake that the Sixers have ever made. Absolutely. I 100%. Because Kawhi basically just quit on the Spurs, I think. Right. And... Another another fake injury. Yeah. He, he only played nine games. <laughs> so That's exactly what the Sixers need. Yet another fake injury. <laughs> another fake injury. That's what they need. More, more transparency. <laughs> more injuries, more controversy. That's a, what, definitely what they need. Uh, they were the furthest thing from transparent through that whole process. <laughs> oh, we're not sure about Marco Fultz's injury. His uh, shoulder's still bothering him. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I really bet. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's basically what happened with Kawhi. He just wasn't mentally ready to play. Fultz, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Fultz, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Kawhi, I think, just wants out in San Antonio for some odd reason. I don't know what the situation is there, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, I honestly think that we've had a really good Sixers talk today. I want to see them go further into the series. The way we play is going to determine how far we get into the series. If we take it to six, it's a successful series. Even though we lose, don't get me wrong, we still show that we had fight. I'm just glad the Sixers didn't get swept. Yeah, and also didn't lose the series at Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, so. exactly. That would have been embarrassing. Yeah, that's the last thing that we want to see. Um, but today, that's really all about that. We that's really about all that we have to cover. So it feels like the Sixers really dominated the conversation, even though it doesn't really look like they're doing too great this series. But on the positive side, please follow us at phlsportsnation.com at RyanMichaels18 for Phillies Nation, Bert Tiernan at Robert Tiernan for Sixers Nation, and Chip Tiernan at Christopher Tiernan on Eagles Nation. We'll see you at the next stop, and thank you again for tuning in to the bandwagon on Philadelphia Sports Nation.